Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Queer Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Cornejo, a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California, co-owner of Psychosocial Therapy, a fully virtual practice where I specialize in working with the queer and BIPOC communities. I'm really excited about today's topic, inner child healing work, and I have a very special guest who's going to be joining me in conversation today, and I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Um, I'm Gigi, um, and I was going to be a therapist when I started school, <laughs> um, but turns out life had a different plan for me. Um, and so I ended up getting my bachelor's and my master's of social work and psychology. Um, and then I went on to be a qualified mental health professional, um, and I did a little in-home uh, counseling work. And I decided that I really uh, wanted to do a little bit more community level work. Uh, so I took my uh, my master's degree and I started organizing in communities. And I was like, something just doesn't feel right. And so I decided that I needed to bridge the gap between us understanding um, ourselves on the systemic level and ourselves on the individual level and how that plays a role in both. And so uh, that's what I'm doing now. I am a creator of all sorts, um, a jack of all trades, if you will. Uh, but I am excited and uh, overjoyed to announce with my inner child that we are officially a published author. So we're going to say we are a published author. <laughs> yes, that's so um, exciting. So that's what we're doing now. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for I'm that so beautiful excited. introduction. And, and, and uh, I'm so excited for you. That's wonderful. I know that there is so much need for different perspectives, you know, for us to really be able to have access to resources that we can connect with, uh, you know, and as a person of color, I think that it's beautiful that, you know, you, you've, you've, you, you've gone through this evolution, right? Not just in, on your path, but career, but also in terms of being a creator, right? A creative person. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and and just and with that let's jump into our topic because today's topic is inner child healing can you uh share a little bit with me around what is your perspective or or, or how do you define inner child work um that's that's a good question because most days i don't know okay <laughs> um some days when I wake up, inner child healing is just a simple, you got this. Mm -hmm. Like that that reassurance that no matter what, at least I've got my back. You know, I, I've gotten me this far and so at least we've got me and it's just a simple little, you got this. Mm -hmm. And there are some days when inner child work is crying with my inner child over experiences that they've had and, um, you know, they just need to let it out. Mm -hmm. Um, and some days it's rewatching old movies from mm. our childhood and uh, just like either laughing or crying or coming to understand a little bit more about ourselves, you know, uh, through what was our favorite pastime as a child. Mm -hmm. And so um, honestly, inner child healing looks like all of those things. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's always a fun time trying to decide what is it today like mm -hmm. is it just like what's my best look like today is my best just a little pat on the back or is my best like holding you while we cry together like what's yeah. my best look like today um so like that's kind of what healing inner child work looks like to me um just yeah. what you need <laughs> no that that's a very beautiful description you know and, and I, I i like that definition because i think a lot of times when we hear the words inner child healing it almost i think many folks uh can think of it as something that sounds very complicated or very complex or rooted just in childhood trauma and yet there really are a lot of aspects of it that are helpful right and and as simple as you said right reminding ourselves that we can take care of ourselves that we are there for ourselves giving us ourselves that love or even doing things that we enjoyed as children right i know for me i have my favorite movies that i used to watch when i was a kid and i still watch them now and they definitely help me feel better when i'm when i'm not uh you know feeling too hot or just there's a lot going on for me. Uh, and so I think that that's a perfect definition, right, of how it can change and shift in terms of where we're at. Uh, and obviously it can include deeper work as well, right? Like I mentioned, childhood trauma, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these things that, that oftentimes 
create laws or uh, obstacles for us right in, in our mental health, but also emotional health and development. Uh, so I think that that is, that is a wonderful way to describe it. Um, you know, and, and uh, speaking of inner child work, because I know for me specifically, uh, I actually did my bachelor's degree in child and adolescent development. So I spent a lot of years around children, observing, working with mm -hmm. parents, uh, doing a lot of um, education right around uh, parent-child relationships and so we know that they're crucial right I mean that it's a yeah. given right children between the ages of zero to five need that support so much because those are the crucial you know very uh, baseline developmental uh, years right the formative years uh, and so when we become adults okay. it's not like we we forget right I mean we, we were children right. at one point you know we carry memories we carry uh, teachings and learnings that we uh, that we got from our our caregivers, uh, whether it was parents or grandparents or siblings, whatever, right? But we, we do carry these experiences. So why do you think it, it's important for us to engage in this kind of work? Or I mean, even some of the descriptions you gave right around uh, sometimes just giving ourselves those affirmations or other times connecting back to childhood. Um, I think it's important because I, the youth are the future. And so in order to see a life that you want for yourself, you kind of have to go back. Mm. And because a lot of us uh, grew up under pressures to conform around a lot of things, mm -hmm. uh, our gender identity and expression, uh, all of these different things we were forced to kind of sort of tone down in order mm -hmm. for safety to happen. And so you've been given messages that you weren't enough that the world wasn't safe, that you didn't deserve to be your whole self. You've been given all of those types of messages. And so we can't just be like, I call it the civil war effect, mm -hmm. where it's mm -hmm. like everybody just went home. Nobody discussed mm -hmm. the racial tensions, the 400 years of slavery. Like mm -hmm. it was, it literally was just, they went home. And yeah. so a lot of times, what I was seeing in therapy for myself, what I was seeing when I was uh, doing work with clients in home and in uh, services in uh, counseling centers was that they no one was talking. <laughs> no one was really talking about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this whole idea of like your inner child needing to be healed in order for you to actually develop healthier habits for yourself. Yeah. So it's like it's not like you're just going to come out of trauma with nothing mm -hmm. like you you've picked up resiliency you've picked up you know hurt and harm but you've picked up you know uh your creativity your authenticity like you've picked up a lot of things along the way and yeah. we're not talking enough to our inner child to see like like how did you survive this like mm -hmm. you survived the trauma I'm living through memories and that shit is kicking my ass. Like, mm -hmm. how did you, a child, survive mm -hmm. this? Mm -hmm. And it's like, in the same way we are like, the children are the future, mm -hmm. your inner child is your future. Your hopes, your dreams, your everything resides in there. And it's not like you'll ever get to be that person again and that's mm -hmm. okay, you can grieve that. But what you can be is the adult that you needed. So you can in yourself create who you needed you to be when you were a child. And like that's my biggest so powerful. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to. I, I that just hit me that's because great. I was thinking so much right now about how you said that, right? Being the adult that we needed, because when we're kids, we don't have a say in a lot of things. Actually, we don't have a say at all, right? We, we, we're being guided. We have to follow. We experience the world in a different way because we're not, uh, you know, we, we don't have all that knowledge, right, that the adults around us have. And so for us, it's really a lot of trying to make sense of things. And and, and some of these things that happen to many of us, it's it's hard for adults to make sense of it and especially as kids we're going to be confused i mean we're going to go through so much and i really resonated with what you said because i think a lot about my own parents and you know i, I have a, a a lot better relationship with them now and i'm very, i'm close to them uh, but there were a lot of things in my childhood where uh, even now when i try to bring it up we don't talk about it right there was really no discussion mm -hmm. around it like you said right there was an avoidance of it even though there were things that i yeah. saw things that i experienced that i never really got a chance to make sense 
sense of. And so, uh, you know, in the work that I do now as a therapist, but also in going to therapy, I've learned a lot about myself and my own experiences. And I've had to be that adult that I didn't have. Yeah. Uh, you know, not that my parents didn't do a great job. I think they were wonderful. They provided so much. And at the same time, there was a lot of emotional pieces that they were not able to provide because maybe they had, you know I, know, I know that they had their own trauma. They also did not get to experience that with their own parents because they had to leave their countries right. at a very young age. So here I am, right, carrying a lot of this weight, right, intergenerational trauma, a lot of this stuff that they brought in. And I'm having to now be kinder to myself, be gentler, uh, unlearn a lot of things, uh, give myself the support and encouragement that, you know, they couldn't because they often lived in in a survival mode, right, where everything was more yeah. about security than it was about growth and, and growth. fulfilling ourselves as humans. So thank you for saying that. I, I, that, that one was like, ah, for me. I felt it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's so true. Like, uh, like, we, I, I have come to understand the same things about my parents as well. But, um, like a lot of people ask, like, you know, can I like go no contact with my family and stuff like that, especially for BIPOC people, like when it's like, you know, we're trying so hard to protect our culture, our stuff and everything. It's like, it's so hard to go no contact even if it was a traumatic situation. Like for me, it was a very, very traumatic situation growing up. And so it was like, my nervous system is always going to be triggered by these people. So it's just not gonna happen for me. But I find it a beautiful thing when people uh, understand like their parents beyond uh, the trauma that they gave them. And they're under, they're able to see and understand that like they're hurting people. They were hurting people. And even if, you know, they made some mistakes along the way and everything like that, like they and, and they lived in a time where therapy was just simply not a thing. It's mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it was a thing, but like it was only for the shock and the yeah. body, like all the, you know, terrible stereotypes mm -hmm. and some things that were actually true happening. <laughs> um, and yeah. so it was like, um, like I came to understand that about my parents, even though there was like a heavy load of trauma they had given yeah. me. And so to me, it was like, that was the beginning of the standing up for myself. It mm. was like my younger self was like, I needed an adult to protect me against what she says is the bad adults. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, if you need me to be that person, I'll be that person for you. And so it was, I had to go no contact with them for her sake. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when I did that, she was like, let me tell you all of these things. Mm. Like she, she like opened up to me, like yeah. opened up about her hopes, her dreams, her fears, how she survived the trauma. Um, I remember like crying, like sobbing about like just feeling the big sads. And I was just like, I called out to her and I was like, how did you survive this? Like, how, like yeah. the, I can't even think of a memory. How did yeah. you survive it? And yeah. she just looked at me and said, dance. Mm. And I was mm. like, huh? And she was like, dance. And so like, I started this thing where in my morning routine, I have like 20 to 35 minutes of nothing but dancing in my underwear, mm. like just having mm. a good old time. And it yeah. has radically, radically yeah. improved my days, my mood, my overall mental health. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's what it is. And that's what it means mm -hmm. to like, look to youth and look to you know your inner child for the future for the answers yeah. because now that like i i'm doing what she asks of me so that she feels safe she's she's given me answers like mm -hmm. she's given mm -hmm. me this whole this book this you know creative drive all of these things because i listened to her and yeah. so i think that's like what's so important about inner child work is that when you heal with your inner child, you not only, uh, you know, get this like beautiful, you know, creative being, but you also, you know, find answers to things that you didn't even know you needed. Mm. And mm. it's like now you have a new system of accountability that isn't necessarily based in fear because it's yeah. like, hey, your inner child will like come and tug at your little pants leg and be like, mm -hmm. hey remember mm -hmm. that like we shouldn't we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't do that and that yeah. voice gets stronger and stronger all the time and when you listen to them because when you listen to children let me tell you 
Mm. Let me mm-hmm. tell you, you get the best of them. Like having worked with children for a yep. long time, because I am a qualified mental health professional, uh, C. So mm-hmm. I work with youth all of the time. And when they are listened to, when they feel safe, they are mm-hmm. incredible, yeah. creative, strong, brilliant. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I have so much respect for folks who specialize in working with children. You know, I I, like I said, I did it for many years and I actually stopped because it it, it was overwhelming as well. Right. There was so much, especially when you worked with children who experienced trauma or parents who were going through traumatic experiences as well. So for me, it was a a transition that I had to make. But I did love the work. And you're absolutely right. There were so many gifts that I received from just being able to observe a lot of these children in, you know, spaces where they were able to be themselves, where they had that curiosity, the imagination, uh, and really the ability to just be children. And they definitely are very honest, very direct, and have so much to say, which I I really love. Um, But you know, I wanted to touch on on something that you said earlier, because I think it was very important that all our, our experiences are going to be different, right? Like I mentioned, my relationship with my parents is something that, um, you know, I was able to work through in some ways, and yet I still have my limits and boundaries. And obviously, uh, it's a day to day process. Uh, But you mentioned the other part of that, right? The other side of the no contact. And I think that oftentimes, people think that we need to, right, have a relationship or that we have to, uh, you know, heal through this process. Uh, and sometimes that's not possible, right? Sometimes yeah. it, it is a lot and we have to protect ourselves. And I, I thank you for saying that because I think that this is not a one size fits all process. And I and it, I want people who are listening in to realize that sometimes we have to go through different, uh, you know, different paths, uh, whether it is no contact, whether it is some contact, whether it is pro, you know, prolong um, uh, distance for whatever reason. Uh, but it is important and we're all going to go through this process in a very different way and I know especially for BIPOC folks we get a lot of internalized shame uh, when we don't connect with family the way that you know we're told because family is supposed to be everything because blood is supposed to be everything and yet our family can also hurt us and can cause a lot of harm and it's okay for us to decide when we need safety and that even if that means having distance from them uh, as much as it hurts as much as i know that it's not the ideal um it it, a lot of times it's necessary and and Mm -hmm. so i think it's important for folks who acknowledge uh, and to know that simply because they're choosing safety does not mean that they don't love their families does not mean that they don't want a connection multiple things can exist at the same time we could be hurt and angry and still have some appreciation for some things and still long and grieve for others uh you know that's what makes us human right is that we can have very complex experiences yeah absolutely absolutely and anyone who is uh i say this to anyone who is thinking of going no contact uh because they need to heal you know it's like maybe your no contact is no not contact forever maybe it's no contact while you're doing this and the wounds are kind of raw like whatever your no contact is or whatever your healing looks like uh you have to hold space for Mm. all of you you have to hold Mm. space for your humanity and your healing because um I, there are times when I miss my parents. Mm. There are times when I think about the good times we had because there were good times. There were yeah. good times. And I had to realize that healing was not saying, oh, I'm never going to miss them. I never think about them or the good times or anything like that. Healing is holding space for all of my existence. All of my existence was ev- was not necessarily traumatic, mm-hmm. but there was enough to where it was too much for me. Yeah. And so it was like understanding that even if you part ways, there will still be some mm-hmm. grief around things that you just, you just have to come to understand on your own. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's okay if you miss them. It's okay if they taught you a lesson that, you know, was actually something that was helpful, even though they gave you all of these traumatic memories. Like what I like really want people to know and understand is that it's okay. It happens. Like you're a human being. 
you were connected to this human being for a, mm-hmm. some period of time. Mm-hmm. And even if it's the right thing to do, just like with the breakup, even if it's the right yeah. thing to do, even if you initiate the breakup, you mm-hmm. still have to go through your own grieving process. Absolutely. And you you have to hold space for that grief. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so necessary, you know, and, and I struggle with some of what you said right now around like our relationships and how complex they can be with our parents because like I mentioned you know my relationship with my parents has definitely improved um, and I actually just had lunch with them yesterday and there's a lot of moments where I'm sitting with them and I, I really long for this understanding or almost uh, an opportunity for them to see me as a whole person uh, and not just their son and not just the expectations that they have for me and not just um you know what they see but really getting to know me and I know at least for me I've had to really maneuver this carefully because not only has it been uh, a bilateral process where I'm working through so much of this and 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 really learning about myself and and going back to that inner child work right that we were talking where I'm starting to really uh, understand that that there was a child version of myself where there was a lot of anger, a lot of sadness, a lot of fear, um, and it was never validated, right? It, it was kind of, um, like you said, that survival, right? How did you survive that? And when I am around my parents, it comes up, you know, it comes up a little bit more, right? I, I, I sense it. I sense that these feelings mm-hmm. that come up around wanting to be seen, but being afraid of that being rejected, you know, and so in those moments, it's when I have to really remind myself, hey, you know, like you can love your parents. You can still have all of these feelings and, you know, you can also be there for yourself right now. Right. And and that is a nice reminder for me, something that I'm definitely getting better at to remind myself, like, you know what, like this is where they're at. This is what we have. I appreciate it. I love that we can still have these lunches together and be in be a family. And also at the same time, there's other parts of me that I know they just can't be on that journey with me. They can't be on that path with me. And there's grief there, right? There's yes. a lot of grief because there's moments where I, I want to be like, look at me, you know, I just, I'm not just what you, how right. you see me, you know, I'm a lot more. Right. And you may not understand it and it may scare you, but this is, this is who I am. And, you know, that, that's something that I, I sit with often. Um, and even when I moved to LA a couple months ago, that was my biggest fear was, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so close to my family again. Like, <gasps> what are they, you know, what if, what if they see me like this or what if they, what are they going to think or how are they going to, you know, um, behave around me? I mean, so much stuff from my childhood, right? Like even my body just reacted to it. Like this fear of like, what if they see me and they don't love me, right? Being a queer uh, individual, uh, you know, someone that grew up in a very religious home, someone that didn't really have an opportunity to be a child the way that they needed to be. uh, I've had to do that now, many, many years later, where now I am playing with things. I am exploring things. It's almost like having my childhood in my my (laughs) mid-30s. Yes, yes, absolutely. 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 I get it. I am the same way, like wholeheartedly. Like I am like, do I like doing this? Oh, no. Okay. Do I like doing this? Oh, no. Okay. Do I like doing? Oh, I do like doing this. Okay. Like, it's a whole other uh, area of exploration. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that's where the beauty of wholeness comes in. Because it's like, I am now the adult that my Mm -hmm. inner child needed. And so now my inner child is telling me all of these things. So like when it gets, when things get overwhelming, when I'm like excited or scared or nervous or whatever, I understand that it's like, not only am this present me, like, you know, excited or nervous or scared or whatever, but like now that my inner child is with me and she's talking, she's also like, oh my God, I'm excited or I'm scared Mm -hmm. or whatever. So it's like, it's both a, it's a blessing. It's a wonderful blessing, but children do talk a lot. So uh, there's that. Um, They like, like, don't stop talking. (laughs) So like Mm -hmm. um, in the same way that, you know, children don't stop talking your inner child won't stop talking to you um and like sometimes you do actually have to take a break from self-work like you have mm-hmm. to take a break every now and again because like yeah. 
you're wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But it's hard. It's taxing. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's it's real. It's it's a lot for your nervous system, for you, for like living how like having to go to work every day and all this other stuff. Like sometimes yeah. you have to take a break. You have to take a break. Yeah. And so I think it's just so important that you just you realize that you're doing this work now you went through the trauma like when i when you look back at all of the things that you've been through you have to realize that you are the one who showed up for you every single time mm -hmm. and that's how you mm -hmm. got here and mm -hmm. so you have to show up for yourself because at the end of the day you really don't have anybody else except for yourself mm -hmm. and that is mm -hmm. like a beautiful thing and a scary thing because it's like holy mm -hmm. holy cow like I am really taking me where I want to go or not getting me where I want to go. And like, yes, there are beautiful people who come along the journey to help you out, to love you, to lift you up, to support you, to teach you hard lessons and make you <sighs> grateful that you're saved now. But like mm -hmm. <laughs> people come into mm -hmm. your life to teach you a whole bunch of different things. And mm -hmm. so it's just really important for you to know that like, you've always had your back and you're always going to have your, oh my God, I just spilled my coffee. You're always going to have your yeah. back. Um, but yeah. like, um, but it's just really important that you just remember that you have to take care of you because the, what yeah. you needed back then was someone to mm -hmm. take care of you. And so you yeah. have to give yourself that now. Yeah. And you know, then that's an important takeaway. What you mentioned earlier about not healing 24 seven, right? Because that's not, it's not realistic and i no. think that there is a lot in pop psychology and especially in social media right where we're constantly hearing the word healing being tossed around and what it means and the reality is that it it, it is exhausting i mean it is a lot of work and people need to live their lives right they can't just be like sitting in a state of, of healing or trying to like go through this process because it, it, it is a lot and i think it is a very intentional lifelong process right that right. we don't get to a state where we check off and say i'm healed you know everything is great right no it's a constant because we we live complex lives and we are human and we these things will show up at different points in our lives mm -hmm. it will it will and one of the uh i was in group therapy for a little while and one of the best sayings i ever heard was if you don't shoot straight, it's going to come out crooked. And it was this older country woman who was just like, I, like she was just so funny. Like she didn't want to be there, but like she eventually mm -hmm. was like, okay, I guess I'll participate in group mm -hmm. therapy. But like, mm -hmm. she was just like, I'm telling you one thing. If I've learned anything from this class is if you don't shoot straight, it's going to come out crooked. Mm -hmm. And I have never forgotten that. I have never in my yeah. life forgotten that. I'm like, I'm gonna get a tattoo of that. Like, I <laughs> love that. Like, if you, I, like, I just say it to myself, especially when I'm with my inner teen, like when I'm young, like parent reparenting my inner youngin, um, mm -hmm. and she's just like, you know, tight lipped, and you know, mm -hmm. like, because we had to be very stoic when we were teenagers, and mm -hmm. we had to conform mm -hmm. a lot when we were teenagers, and so. She's very much like, having emotions is lame and I don't want to do it. And I'm like, listen, yeah. listen, <laughs> I want to keep mm -hmm. everyone safe. It's like it's like a family meeting. I want to keep everybody safe. So mm -hmm. I'm going to need y'all to get it together. Um, and so yeah. like, <laughs> so it's very, it's very mm -hmm. important to remember that like, no one's healing 24 seven. Nobody's yeah. perfect. Nobody is like yeah. this wellness yeah. queen person like you've got to take time to be a human you've got to yeah. take time to be a human and you've got to be and okay humans are messy okay you know <laughs> like you're here to just like <laughs> you are here to like fuck around and find out might as well like <laughs> fuck around and find out like that's what you're here to do. <laughs> exactly. You know, and my philosophy is always just have an open heart, open mind, and allow yourself to learn, to reevaluate, to consider. And that's it because we are going to be messy. You know, I have many, many clients who come to see me and there's this expectation of being fixed or of some huge yeah. 
you know, intense transformation happening. And I share with them, look, there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing innately bad about you. These are things that we've learned to to verbalize because society tells us that this is what's wrong with us because we don't fit into these unrealistic expectations and pressure and it affects all of us, right? And so we come in with this mess and we have to untangle it and figure out what does make sense to us, what does align with us. And a lot of the stuff like we were talking about comes from the very earlier years, right? Childhood, our adolescence. Um, So I mean, a lot of it is stuff that we didn't really get a chance to actually understand because we were surviving. We were getting through those years. And then we get to a place where it's like, oh shit, like here I am holding all of these things and now I can slow down and they're getting in the way. And so I, I need, yeah, I need something. And, you know, whether it is that reparenting, whether it is, you know, learning to be that that caregiver for ourselves, whether it is learning better ways of coping or just dealing with some of these big, intense feelings. Healing, it, like I said, is something that is lifelong, right? And right. something that we we continuously engage in and yet also we live life and we will make mistakes. There is no avoiding any of this. Perfection is an illusion, right? That's sold to us and that causes a lot of harm. So much harm, so much harm. Like I am a recovering perfectionist um, and I've seen the ways in which it showed up in my life. And one of those ways was an eating disorder. And Mm -hmm. so having Mm -hmm. been in recovery from it, um, I, I thought like, ED recovery would be like these beautiful plates of lots of food that were colorful and beautiful and awesome. Mm -hmm. And most days eating recovery is me like ripping up my pancake and, you know, pieces of sausage and saying to myself, can you please give me two bites of this, two bites of this? Because Mm -hmm. I've had to go all the way back to the beginning with reparenting because my trauma around food started at a very, very young age. And so in the reparenting process, I've had to understand and kind of like talk Mm. to my inner child in that way as we heal with food. Like, I need you to give me two bites of this because this is a protein and this is going to help us. I need you to give me two bites of this spinach because this reason. And then I need you to give me two bites of your dessert because I know you love it. So it's like I'm trying to reparent around wholeness instead of reparenting around eat this because I said so. And it's like what I've come to understand about the ways in which uh, my parents had a lot of trauma is that they lived through a lot of shit. So mm-hmm. my parents are a little bit mm-hmm. older. So they lived through segregation. Uh, they went to a segregated school until I think middle school or high school. And then they integrated. And so they had the trauma of integrating. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they also grew up poor. And so what I came to realize about my parents, which actually helped me detach, you know, my feelings from what happened and all of these things was understanding that every, like almost everything they parented me with was based on the trauma of either capitalism or Mm -hmm. white supremacy. And so my mother telling me to eat everything on my plate or, you know, you're not getting up from this table was not because mm-hmm. she hated me and she wanted to be mean, What? but was simply because we might not get food tomorrow in her brain. Mm-hmm. She, she had not mm-hmm. healed from that. She had not healed yeah. from that. Um, yeah. I was a very loud, outgoing child. Um, mm-hmm. And my mother grew up in a time where, you know, you moved on the sidewalk when white people were walking. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah for a young black girl to just believe in herself inherently. And I was adopted. So these were my adoptive mm-hmm. parents. Um, yeah. Inherently couldn't happen. And it wasn't out of a need to hurt me or to make me feel bad about me, but it was out of a need to protect me, but from what she mm-hmm. hadn't healed from and what mm-hmm. she could never voice. And mm-hmm. so it helped me really see that, like these messages that I had been given were around safety and what it's like to experience life as a black person, Mm -hmm. but they were experiencing Mm -hmm. life, you know, in a really uh, more and more traumatic way, you know, like, 
you know, active lynchings and things like that. So it was like they were living through some traumatic shit and they were also poor. So it was like all Mm -hmm. of the parenting that I had been given was around safety from white supremacy and money. Mm -hmm. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, you get money, you save money, you protect money, you do all that stuff. You do what you have to do for money. And then it doesn't matter who you truly are on the inside. You need to like all the way down, turn it all the way down or you won't be safe. And so it's like, I had to decipher for myself when I was learning what was excess BS that they just hadn't healed from and were giving to me. And what did I need to learn? Because there were messages in that, that I needed to learn. And that was painful to come to that realization, but, but that was a lot. that is so powerful, you know, and as you were sharing that, my brain was going into my own um, experience. And, you know, thank you so much for being vulnerable and, and, and talking about this, because you're absolutely right. I mean, it's survival. I know my parents as immigrants, right, who got to this country when they were 13 and 16 years old, there was a lot of anxiety around safety for us as well, right? I remember my parents would tell us all the time, like, you need to behave, you need to act this way. You know, if the cops are around, if there's white people around, there was a lot of sh- shame, a lot of internalized oppression, a lot of internalized racism that we ex- that they experienced themselves around us not being good enough or we weren't those people as they would, I, they would often remind me, uh, you know, and they struggled so much with me because I came into this world ready to go and dreaming and thinking about things and wanting so much more. And for them, there was always this fear of what is going to happen to you. What are people going to do to you if they see you as this brown boy, you know, who not only is not very, you know, who has very uh, out out of gender norm characteristics, because I was very flamboyant. I love to sing. I love to dance. I love to walk certain ways. And I was often told, yeah, you know, and that was me. That was naturally me. And I remember my parents from the get go telling me, don't walk like that. Don't sit like that. Don't talk like that. Don't use those words. Don't look at people this way. And it was constantly rooted in fear and anxiety and really just trying to survive. You know, for them, it was like, if you get attention, it's a bad thing. People will see you and then you yeah and then there will be consequences and this happened even more so in spaces that were not of color right when we were going to white spaces when we were around uh you know authority uh, you know uh, like police or like in in a certain business place or something you know we were often uh punished my mom would take us to the bathroom and she'd smack me and tell me you don't behave that way what do you think people are going to think about you? You know, and I just remember internalizing that. And, and and really now when I look back, understanding how she was so afraid, she was so scared that something would happen to us that she wanted us to learn. You need to behave this you way. Need to because behave. if you don't, people will see, you know, you will draw attention. You will draw attention. you will not be safe. And you will not be safe. And I, I had mm. to realize that like, that was a lot of the fear that I grew up with. The anxiety was around not feeling safe. And what I had to do when I kind of like disconnected from that family system and kind of tapped more into my ancestry, um, Mm -hmm. I found that like, it was, that's what I found. I found the fear was that now that we had been colonized, now that we had been, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, taken over by these people, we had to behave mm-hmm. a certain way in order for us not mm-hmm. to be unalived. And so there was people created people who created people who were created my parents, who became yeah. people who were like, okay, you know, I can't deal with mm-hmm. what happened to me, but I got to make sure that it don't yeah. happen to you. And in like, mm-hmm. in like some of the worst ways, it was just like, that was their way of showing love. And it was like, and that was just something that was so terrifying to deal with. That was something that was so hard for me to come to terms with because I'm like this Mm -hmm. child who had been through the Mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. I I don't, I don't know how I could like, that wasn't for her to understand, but like, that was more for me to like live my life and things. But like when it, when I realized that just how much of it was about the safety of not being 
perceived or seen mm-hmm. or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized, I was like, well, why did you not want to be seen? Why would you not want to do this? And then yeah. understanding like what happened to my parents and what they went through. And so it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, of course, you know, my parents would harp on money all of the time because they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. They didn't yeah. have it. Yeah. And so it was like, don't spend money. Don't do this. Don't waste money. Like, you know, stuff like this. Like yeah. when they told me, like, um, they were like, how are you going to waste our money? Because I didn't have a job six months out of grad yeah. school. And so they were like, you know, was that just a waste of money? Was your undergrad just a waste of money? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, mm-hmm. at the time, I was so hurt. I was like, how could you how could you say something like that? Like, how could you say something like mm-hmm. that? And I'm still hurt by those words. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I'm also at a place where I'm like, you didn't have anything. And I know that yeah. you were trying to your best, to the best of your ability. Tell me that mm-hmm. it's important to save. It's important to be responsible with money. And I know for a fact yeah. that because you haven't healed from your own shit, you can't say that to me. Mm-hmm. 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 And that shit is so real, you know, and as, as you were mentioning that, uh, you know, I, I think a lot about the queer baby that, that I was and, and how, you know, they were shut down so much um, and so frequently and and really because of the fear. Right. And like you said, it's almost like this just this version of love that's meant to keep you safe, meant to help you survive. And yet the other end of it is that it it keeps you suppressed right it, it keeps you prisoner it, does. um, it doesn't allow you to exist and to Mm-mm. be yourself because that's that's not the intention right the intention is to keep you alive and, right uh you know and i think that when we think of trauma oftentimes uh we we think of you know near-death experiences and and the 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 more like uh complex stuff right that uh, when we right. discuss trauma but the reality is that trauma is ongoing exposure mm-hmm. to stressful very high stress situations yeah right and when you live with parents who are constantly in fear have anxiety have their own mm-hmm. trauma and it plays out that gets passed down it gets trickled down right i mean that's what we talk about intergenerational trauma right and how this really does have a very deep impact and when we're kids we can't hold that shit right i mean it's a lot it's 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 beyond our understanding and so uh you know for me i i often think about how now i've had to go back and really um be kind to myself and be patient and allow myself to be seen how I want to be seen. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and it, and it's not an easy process, right? I think so many folks, uh, they, they go through survival mode where, uh, you know, we use our natural coping strategies, right? Suppressing things, minimizing, uh, denial, right? All of these different tactics that are meant to keep us surviving and going uh, and yet they don't allow for us to really slow down right or to really process these things and so many people out there are hurt carrying old childhood wounds um, you know that continue to be open right and re-exposed at different times in their lives and so I, I really do appreciate the inner child work and and I definitely have applied it in my work and, and have worked with folks who uh, you know have shared a lot of their own uh, experience with it and I, I think that like you were saying this is not something right that we do <laughs> we do constantly because it definitely is a lot and and it is exhausting and i know that you shared with me a book and you mentioned it at the beginning and i actually read it and i and i honestly really loved it because yes ah there it is oh my gosh we have a we have a visual yay <laughs> uh, you know what honestly when when you sent it to me um i i just I think for me, the first thing I thought was like, oh my gosh, like this is something that I will likely share with clients. And the reason why that came to my mind was because whenever I bring up inner child work and a lot of my clients, you know, they're on social media, they yeah. see all these things. I usually get an eye roll, right? Because people are like, oh my God, here we go. You oh, know, yeah. therapists going back to like childhood and my parents and all this. And it's almost like this, like they, we know internally, yeah. yes. like where those wounds are. Yeah. And we're just like, yeah. like, I don't want to go there. And, and there's a lot of time. Yeah, I don't want to go there. And there's a lot of times where I'm like, shit, like, how do I how do I help my clients? How do I guide them or how do I at least get them to buy into really opening up 
to this experience uh, and there's a few that that do and you see it right away oh my gosh it's so powerful I, I i do have an exercise that i use with so many of my clients where i actually either ask them to bring in a photo of themselves as a child or i have them uh imagine and we have a whole dialogue and it is so powerful i mean i, I see a huge shift even in just one session uh you know for the first time they're finally able to go back and say i'm here for you you know i love you i'm so sorry i i or, or i want to learn yeah. to love you because you know that was missing for me and so your book when i was reading you know the, the parts that you sent to me i was just like oh my gosh like this is this is such a wonderful way to really get people a step by step slowly into really allowing themselves to go through this process, um, you know, and, and, and then I love how nurturing it felt, you know, the way that you wrote it, it just felt very like kind, it almost felt like a parental figure reminding, you know, the, per the reader, hey, like, it's okay which I think is so necessary, right? Because we, we don't do that. We don't. So many of us go around being mean to ourselves no. and saying shit that, that, not even stuff that we say, but just regurgitated crap that we learned. And it hurts. It hurts. I know I had to work through that. It hurts. It hurts so much. And I think like, because initially I wrote it uh, to my inner youngin. Um, and mm -hmm. it was kind of just like, dude, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not here to, you know, you know, take away the cool, fun adventures of life. I'm just here to make sure that when you are living your life, it's not out of the hurt from the past. And so it's like, in order to do that, we kind of have to take a look. We kind of have to stop mm -hmm. numbing ourselves out to it and kind of have to look yeah. at the pain. We kind of have to experience it. But that doesn't mean we get, have to change who we are. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. that we don't get to like be our full authentic selves. It just means that there are parts of us that may, we don't, we may not even know we're triggered by. Yeah. And it's like, I, like, I really enjoy it. Like I was writing it um, and like, mm -hmm. I was like writing, like I was writing it down. I was writing it on the notes app in my phone. And then I was like, I would text um, things to my friends and be like, hey, blah, 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 blah. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, nothing, nothing. Shush, shush. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I was like, finally, I was like, let me just put this all together in like a space. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> did I write a book? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I did it and I sent it out to my friends and like the main thing, like the main feedback that I got from my friends was, when is it getting published? And I was like, yeah. Eh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, why not? Um, and it yeah. turned It was out, a labor like, of love and and it, you it feel was. it, you feel it. You know, I honestly did as I was reading it, I, I felt very connected to it. And I even, I even had, uh, you know, tears uh, towards the end when, like I said, it just felt very nurturing. It almost felt like me saying that to myself, brought up so much of like, oh my gosh, like this is a reminder, right? For me to be kind, to, to understand that I, I am a human, human, you know, who had these experiences. Yes. And, and, and really just feeling that, that need for, for that kindness, you know? And so can we share the, the name of the book? Absolutely. What, what, what is the title? The book is Once Parented, Twice Shy. Um, mm. And mm. I was like that that was me though i was like uh because i was like mm -hmm. this is a whole reparenting process so i was like yeah i've definitely yeah. been uh <laughs> once parented and now i'm twice shy but um but yeah mm -hmm. this is this is just the the proof copy so that's why it's got this line in there but uh but yeah, yeah and it's like it's one of the best compliments i ever received was it's like an adult dr seuss book and i was like <laughs> nobody knew yeah. this but like i love the book oh the places you'll go by dr seuss it's one of my top five me favorite too books me too and so i was like like i was heavily inspired by like its simplicity but like depth and so mm -hmm. like when i wrote this mm -hmm. i was like oh this feels like my own version of oh the places you'll go and when somebody said that to me i was like oh, goals <laughs> Like that was yeah. literally my goal. Mm -hmm. And so that was so exciting. And yeah. so like, I'm so excited yeah. that it's like, 
it's out there and you can get a copy yeah and you know that's beautiful um that your your intentions were seen right by folks i mean even myself and, and i think that that is what makes it so powerful and um you know can you tell us a little bit about uh, how can folks uh get access to it what can they purchase it i mean what, what are the plans absolutely so actually it has just been published to uh to amazon it is i do have a link okay. on my bio in my instagram and on my tiktok uh but it is published through the kindle independent publishers okay. um and okay. i will send the link along when you yes. yeah i'll send the link <laughs> so you can have it um, please but, please do so i can uh, share it i'm gonna need a signed copy too from you because <laughs> i i definitely want my own uh you know i think uh, it, it, it's gonna be helpful for me uh, to do this this more of this work myself mm-hmm. uh because even though as someone that does this with other folks it, it, i i realize just how powerful yeah it is when you've actually gone through that process yourself okay. and you know for like a lot of things right, right. bringing in your own experiences right. and so I, i'm excited to to reread it to be able to enjoy it to use it um and so please yes send us the link um is there any other way that folks can connect with you like social media youtube anything like that Absolutely. that you want to share so i am uh currently on tiktok um at okay um i think Oh man, I still have a few weeks before I can change my profile. So I'll give you the one that's current. Um, I yeah. am at um, pasta, pasta spelled P A S T A H G G um, 2.0 on TikTok. And then in a few weeks, I will have changed over all of my stuff. So uh, my Instagram mm-hmm. is Healing Hearts uh, 555. And so on may 21st i think because tiktok won't let me change my username for some weird reason but like anyway they said i could do it on may 21st but on may 21st everything will be (laughs) healing hearts five 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 (laughs) um so that's where i am uh nowhere else right now although like as we expand i guess maybe because this is just uh the first book Mm -hmm. in a series of books that i'll be writing on reparenting your inner child so uh right now we're just in those two places but yeah Hey, hey, that, I love that. I I mean, you're gifting something to the world and it's very vulnerable. It's very beautiful. It's very intentional. Uh, I will definitely be putting all of this info in the description when I release this episode. So uh, y'all will, you know, be able to, to click on it and just go there directly. So no need to memorize any of it. And I'll also be sharing the link for the book. Uh, and I do hope that folks out there, you know, really take away from our conversation today around, um, you know how this this work is is lifelong but also not something that we're doing 24 7 mm-hmm. how it can also mean different things for different people and and show up in different ways and i think that this book is definitely something that can serve as a guide for those folks who are really wanting to do deeper work or really be intentional or just you know aren't very familiar but want to get acquainted with this and you know i really want to thank you so much for joining me on the podcast um you know, I, I reached out to you because I, I remember just watching some of your videos and hearing you talk, and it just really left uh, an impression on me. Uh, and and I, I felt uh, that there was really a connection, uh, you know, a, a, a connection in our experiences, and, and that really resonated with me. So thank you for being on here, for being vulnerable, for sharing your story uh, with folks. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to sharing this episode with everyone else. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Okay, everybody. Well, thank you so much. This is the end of our episode. Uh, please leave comment if you have any questions about anything that we discussed. Uh, so, we, you know, we can hopefully have you back on the show as well. And we can, you know, continue the dialogue and the conversation. Okay, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.